Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. We are starting a new series this week entitled The Things of This Earth, which is based on the book by Joe Rigney called The Things of Earth. Um, talks about how uh, we can turn God's gifts into idols and how to keep those things in balance. We'll be covering this for the next several months, so I hope you guys enjoy. So some of you were here two weeks ago for the Sabbath talk. Remember that tension I left you in two weeks ago with the Sabbath? Well, let's dive right back in with being uncomfortable. Okay? You might not have been in any of these scenarios yet, or you might live in them daily. Let's see if any of them sound familiar to you, or if any of them make you think about that tension that we all run away from. I'm going to give you some different scenarios that happen in the Christian life. Scenario one. Max is a student who plays on the local high school football team. He pushes hard in school and hopes to land a Division I program. To help his college resume, he has worked at the same job since he was 16. He works there 15 hours a week on top of everything else. He does his best to devote time to prayer and, reading and Bible reading. He doesn't believe he reads his Bible enough. No matter how long his devotions are, a small amount of guilt sits in his stomach. He thinks, doesn't it say to meditate on it day and night and pray without ceasing? There's that tension. Scenario two, Cindy is getting married in a month. (laughs) Happiest time of her life. She has just heard a sermon on idolatry. Since the sermon, she is worried that she loves her fiancé too much. Although, what exactly does that mean? Whenever she is with him, her heart leaps and then guilt hits. She thinks, am I lost to sin? Am I I an idolater? (laughs) Scenario three. Jared loves football. He hasn't missed a San Francisco 49er game on TV for years. He even makes a trip once a year back to the motherland to go watch his team play live. Then cancer found Jared. And Jared found himself in church a whole lot more and in the scripture and praying daily. He was as close to God as he has ever been. Can he still enjoy football like he once did? He thinks, is football of this world? And feels guilty when he reaches for the remote to turn on the game. Attention. Scenario four. Stephanie is a recent college grad. With her entry-level job at the local bank, she makes more money than she has in her entire life. But between student loans, a car payment, and the rent, she barely is scraping by. (coughs) She reads the Bible and sees that many great examples of people who give up everything for the kingdom of God, who give to the needy. So she gives whatever extra she makes to organizations that clothe the homeless and feed the hungry. But is she doing enough? When she puts her head down on the pillow at night on her queen-sized bed that was a gift from her parents, she wonders if she should sell it and sleep in a sleeping bag. That bed would feed a lot of hungry people, she thinks. Is she living the life God has called her to, or is she thwarting the spirit? Attention. Scenario five. Sanantha's best friend growing up was her colleague, Trixie. Trixie died over two months ago, and Samantha is torn with grief. She knows that God puts all things together for his purposes. She knows that God is a good God. She even believes there's a chance God would reanimate Trixie as a gift for her when she gets to heaven. Yet she wonders if God disapproves of her grief. Is it silly to weep for a dog, she thinks? Does the depth of my grief slap in the face of the hope of heaven that I have 
and my gratefulness to God. Tension. Do you see yourself in any of these? Could you see yourself in any of these? At the core of these scenarios are hearts that desire to please God. Every single one of them. All five of these people. They desire to please the Lord. They truly and earnestly are seeking after Christ. Yet when life hits them and it hurts, or it's a great ride, they don't know how to live out their relationship with God. They don't know how to practice what they preach. I think we have all hopefully found ourselves here. And this would have been your first fill in the blank, but there's really only one or two tonight. And that is, how do I handle the things of the earth while concerning myself with the things of heaven? How do I handle the things of the earth while concerning myself with the things of heaven? I mean, it should be an easy question, right? The Bible speaks directly to it. Colossians 3, 1, 4 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are from above, where Christ is, seating at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So how do all the, those scenarios match up with being raised with Christ? Living for Christ. Does that mean that the things of the earth are rubbish? What about the verse that tells us that the thing, what about the verses that tell us the things of the earth are good? First Timothy four four and five says this: For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. We have this tension. So, what are the things created by God? Remember, Satan does not have creative properties. Evil cannot create; it can simply twist. So, are we to despise these things or receive them with thanksgiving? Are we to receive them and then not do anything with them? Tension. 1 Timothy 6.17 continues with this tension. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Is he saying you can't be rich here? No, certainly. He is speaking about how to be rich. But isn't it harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Matthew nineteen twenty four. But that tension is for another time. Right now we are left with how to be rich. Clearly not to be haughty. Even non-believers see that, that. Nor make an idol or set our hopes upon it. The stock market can be gone tomorrow. But focus on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. But what does that mean? Focus on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. How do we live that out? Focus on God, who richly provides for us everything to enjoy. Well, can we enjoy things? It's not in a church building. It doesn't have a cross on it. If it has a cross on it, is it idolatry? What can we enjoy and what can't we? Can we only enjoy scripture and missions and, of course, prayer? Is it wrong to be involved in sports or music? 
How much of our time are we allowed to be involved there? We are called to be good, to do good works, to be generous. Does that mean sleeping on a sleeping bag? How on earth do we live this out? Look, if God were made in my image, I would have given my creation a list, wouldn't you? I mean, he did, of the things not to do after some commands to worship him. But he didn't give us the details. I want the nitty-gritty stuff. I want a detailed assignment from my God. I want to know exactly what type of movies I can see and what type of movies I can openly judge. I hate the phrase, well, that works for them, because I love equality. And I want everyone's desires and wants to line up with mine to what I find to be acceptable. But they don't. Sometimes, well, that works for them is someone sinning and going against God's will. Sometimes, well, that works for them is the way they handle grief and their relationship with God because they are farther back along the track with the race of God, or maybe they just might be farther ahead, and I don't know what that sort of sanctification looks like. I want a list. God gives us a relationship. I want a list. God gives us a relationship. Fact is, he gave us tension. So we would constantly run back to him instead of a list. That we would wrestle with the things that bother us. That we would be forced to listen to others in his church and hear their opinions, which might be right or wrong, both, the, both, for, and both, both for our sanctification and theirs. God gives us the things of the earth as gifts, knowing they could become idols. All in the end, knowing him, all, in, all to the end of knowing him if we are his. Let me say that phrase again. God gives us the things of the earth as gifts, knowing they could become idols. All to the end of knowing him if we are his. That struggle he allows so that we can know him better. That's a weird thought. That's the way God works. You're not going to leave transformation groups tonight with answers, but with tension, with hopefully questions, and hopefully desire to seek the Lord through both. I like the phrase John Piper. Uh, I like a phrase by John Piper, so we're going to use it. And that is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The question becomes, what does that actually tangibly look like day to day? Keep the idea in the forefront of your thoughts as we wrestle with the scenarios during transformation groups. And please speak your thoughts in transformation groups. It's the only way we can deal with the tension. Does that make sense? Okay. We're going to split and go. Thanks for listening to another Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Hope you'll join us next week.